WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody, and uh, welcome to the Upfront program. And a uh, busy, uh, busy week. Uh, yesterday, we had a chance to uh, chat with uh, Thomas Oates, police chief of the city of Woonsocket. A lot of good things uh, he was telling us about. That's a busy little department. Today is uh, Thursday, and uh, you know what that means. Um, uh, in the Mickey Mouse Club, I used to say, today is Thursday. You know what that means? We're going to have a special guest. Well, this is not a uh, special guest because he's always here uh, on Thursdays. Welcome back to the microphones. Christopher J. Boulay, Managing uh, Director, Investments with uh, Wells Fargo Advisors. That's what he does uh, for a uh, profession. He is here as a private citizen, U.S. citizen, Rhode Island resident, and uh, we're going to talk about the issues of the day. Good morning, Chris. How are you doing over there? Good morning, Roger. Good morning, listeners. And you see my suit. I've got my American flag here. Yeah, I, I see that. I make a point of taking it off before I send it to the cleaners and <laughs> keep it on everywhere I go. So I'm a very proud American, proud to be from Woonsocket, and, uh, and proud to be here with you. And it's a pleasure having you here. And what we do is uh, we conduct, uh, like um, a lot of uh, programs here, uh, a talk show. And uh, we invite uh, participation, local participation. Um, can, and doesn't have to be local. It can be uh, from outside the area because we have an 800 number, 1-800-949-9674. Or the local number, 7690600, that we've had since since 1954 when WNRI first went on the air. Now we're in our 70th year of broadcast. Anyway, uh, so... Those are the telephone numbers, and then we, we take emails up front at WNRI.com. So there's a bunch of ways to uh, communicate, to participate, and uh, to get your point of view across. And short of all that, um, Roger and Chris um, uh, talk to each other in the studio, exchange views on topics, and we hope those are interesting to our audience and, and may draw you into uh, the conversation. So... Having said all those things, we're ready to uh, look at our list of uh, of topics. Uh, well, I wanted to mention one local topic. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, I wanted to mention that earlier in the week, uh, Chris, Paul Borgette, chairman of the school committee, announced that the, um, the city's education department, Using a whole bunch of uh, funds from the Rhode Island Department of Education, not local taxpayer dollars generated from the real estate tax, are going to build um, a tremendous school complex at Barry Field. And what uh, the only and that's nice, uh, and some people are happy about it. I suppose a few not, are not happy about it, but that is a absolute glaring example of the change of political atmosphere here in Woonsocket. Six months ago, uh, that would have been a firestorm. <laughs> uh, Lisa Baldelli-Hunt, who saw that property strictly as a um, commercial uh, possibility, a commercial entity where a supermarket uh, could go. And, and it doesn't um, mean that they're not going to have some commercial activity there. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But the point was that she was going to block uh, the school committee. In that announcement, uh, Chris, uh, the mayor himself, uh, Chris Beauchamp, he was, he was, he signed on to this. Council signed on to it, and that's what's going to happen for years and years of controversy. One quick change of administration, gone. G O N E. That's the change that I wanted to note locally. One example. Yeah, and the days of having uh, separated small. Uh, elementary schools in the neighborhoods probably gone. You know, we've all had that. I went to Harris School uh, first and second grade, so I got kicked out for fighting, and I went to Our Lady of Victories. But um, I, you, 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 to have that there, that, that's what it's for. It's in the deed, Barry Field, and, you know, not to sound negative, but do we really want to put businesses right across the street from the North Fulfilled businesses, so they pay, like, a third of the um, property taxes that they charge in Wasaki, they, they, they get crushed. So 
the, the, the deed makes it a little bit easier and it makes sense. And off the top of my head, I mean, the story was that 87 cents on the dollar comes from the state. So I, I think it's great to have the centralized um, middle school, centralized school that they're doing. And, you know, you were a part of uh, the uh, high school when it was uh, prior to uh, 1973, I believe. And it, it was a disaster having kids try to learn in those things. And sometimes, you know, it was such a disaster. People would drive motorcycles right through the uh, <laughs> Right, right, right to the school, and yeah, they would. <laughs> They'd get suspended and everything. But yeah, I, I, I didn't agree with uh, the mayor's position on that, and I don't agree that uh, hell bent on having a supermarket here. You kind of let the free market work. You got one right over the line in Blackstone. You got one in North Smithfield, and you know there's no food desert thing. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of, in, in my personal opinion. So. Um, I, I, I uh, recognize uh, Paul and the team and the, and the uh, city council putting it all together. It, it makes perfect sense, and uh, it, it, does, it does move Wazakit forward. Usually, we open up the program uh, with an international story or a national story, but I wanted to make that, uh, make that point. And again, the point I'm making is more the change of political climate in the city rather than the construction of the schools, which, of course, should be the main point uh, of uh, the conversation. Uh, and, uh, and it will be the main point of the conversation. But all I'm saying is, boy, have things changed. And, and uh, the second, secondary point is that I had the police chief here mm-hmm. yesterday. And I did, I, I did hear his part of the interview. I couldn't get him to come before because um, his appearance often was controlled by, uh, by another entity. And um, and the last time I called him, oh yeah, I'm available, uh, and and we had him here. And any oh, you call me anytime. I'm always available. Oh yeah, he, yeah. Uh, he his name came up uh, last week, and mm-hmm. I, I have to say, to the uh, credit of uh, the Baldelli Hunt administration, I think the Fountain administration, we've had two really terrific um, chiefs, and Tom Carey and, and Tom Oates, and they both believe in in. Um, uh, community policing and it, it's a tough job as you heard uh you know when sockets got its share of drugs and, and crime just like province does where tom Oates was from but um both administrations hired really good chiefs who stayed here for a, a while and uh, are doing an excellent job and yeah I, I if i was police chief i'd want to take advantage of the opportunity to reach out to the community and he did so and uh it was a, it was a good interview you asked a lot of good questions and things that i was thinking about the juxtaposition of of providence versus socket and to protection of um the uh, uh the offices you know yeah, he's had a couple of offices shot and then the the, the body cameras that's thing that's just come its way because i remember years ago i think it was 2014 uh, we did have tom carey and he wasn't a big proponent of, of um the body cameras and now you just have to have them and like uh, Chief Oates said, is the video doesn't lie. Like in NFL, is a big joke, you know, the video doesn't lie. You know what's going on. So I think it protects the offices. And 99.99% of the time, they're going to act professionally. And they're going to have the upper hand because they're acting professionally. And people are in a situation maybe they don't want to be in. And the video protects everyone. Hey, what do you want to talk about? We have some other topics. Uh, Chris was going to lead with a topic. I uh, kind of short-circuited them there uh, just to uh, get that point across about the changing uh, political atmosphere here in Woonsocket and how it affects um, programming to uh, a, certain, a certain extent. All right, um, so now let's uh, re, uh, retool here and uh, say, good morning, Chris. Uh, what can we lead with today? Well, again, your uh, your name is on the broadcast, yes, so you can do whatever you want. But again, I joked about it last week. It's a day that ends with a Y, so we're going to talk about Trump. And uh, he did extremely well in Iowa. Uh, he's just going to go right through the Republican ticket. He's going to be the nominee as much as the Democrats don't want to have. Probably going to have a, a replay. And, and as I mentioned to you earlier this week, that's a debate I'd love to see. The reversal of the policies that Biden did uh, for the detriment of America that he's putting back, um, you know, naming groups as terrorist groups that was taken off all of the things that he did he's had to kind of back off on you know the wall spending billions of dollars not to put up a wall but we're spending you know 200 billion dollars so um the ukraine can uh, can have its borders so a lot of silly stuff so i'm looking forward to that when you listen to trump he's, he's got maybe a few more wrinkles he's four years older but he is sharp as attack and you see 
Biden really frail, and um, I'm not sure all the rest and preparation is going to get him ready for another debate with Trump. But, you know, not everyone thinks like us. I think there's a good 10 to 20 percent of the population who just say anybody but Trump. I've had those conversations with folks recently. Anybody but Trump, they hate him so much um, that there's going to be, no matter who the Democrat is, and frankly, I'm, I've never voted for a Democrat president uh, nominee, so I'm in the other side, and I think it's going to be interesting, and I have a hard time feeling like America's not going to be better off with, with Trump back in the, the White House. So I have two um, two Biden-Trump uh, type questions, uh, and the reason I'm bringing them up is that they were under discussion on, uh, on our talk shows uh, uh, in the last um, week or so. Number one is, do you actually think that Joe Biden will be, in fact, on the ticket to vote for in November. <clears throat> and number two, if he is, do you actually think that there will actually be a debate between Joe Biden and Donald Trump on, on national television? Uh, some way, somehow, not to do it um, from the uh, Biden camp. Those two points, will he be a candidate in the end, will he really be on the ballot? It's getting kind of late in the game. What, yeah. do, you, what do you do as Democrats? They, they know what, what a issue he is, but we'll probably talk about uh, Dan McKee, State of the State. You know, in the press releases that I get um, periodically from, from uh, governor's office, he's not distancing himself from uh, Biden. So I think he will be. And I have to go back off the top of my head. When's the last time a sitting president didn't run again? Was it Lyndon Johnson? I know uh, Jimmy Carter was very unpopular in 1980, and Ted Kennedy uh, put his hat in the ring and uh, was going to go up against uh, Ronald Reagan. Um, I just don't know what else they're going to do. They're, they're stuck in a, in a very difficult situation, and and um, I can't imagine four years later uh, that he's going to debate well and. It'll be unprecedented if uh, they don't debate. And the, I mean, uh, whether you like Trump or not, I mean, he was—he's just going to walk all over Biden in any debate. I mean, as you just said, uh, Trump's four years older, but sharp as a tack. Biden is four years older and is not sharp as a tack. <laughs> that would be such a devastation for Biden. But I guess that's going to be a reality. And, and again, there's many people who don't feel like us who just hate Trump so much. And uh, they feel that these policies that Biden's putting forward, at some point, the ends justifies the means. And it's not great to have a sieve for a, a southern border. And we potentially have terrorists coming in. We don't know who's coming in. That's something that... Um, Trump made a, a key point in, uh, when he's running in 2016. It's very, it's very, very troublesome. But is the end to get Texas to be blue? And regardless what happens to the rest of the country, that's what we're going to do because you just follow it. Um, I have clients in Texas, and I, and I talk to them you know, quite a bit. And Texas, at one point, not too long ago, was 65% Republican. And then it was down to 60%. And I'm pretty sure off the top of my head, um, Trump only got 58% of the vote. So you've got a lot of people from California moving to Texas because they can't stand the high taxes and high cost of living in California, yet they bring that thinking to Texas. And so if Texas ever goes blue, it's, it's the end of the Republicans as we know it. There'll never be a Republican president because I think you have 58 electoral votes in California. And off the top of my head, I think you have 45 maybe in, in Texas. Um, You'll never see a Republican candidate uh, to become president. Would you like to participate in our discussion? Uh, we certainly uh, encourage it. We certainly welcome it. This is the Upfront Program, 7690600 is our telephone number. Chris and Roger in the studio. And um, our sponsor of this segment is K. Akasha. Just when the holidays are over, and I think there's nothing more to think about financially. But then February and March always get me thinking about how i got to get my taxes done, get my finances organized, my receipts, my deductions. And I don't just want to walk into one of those stores because that seems not very personal. So I start thinking about getting my tax return done by a CPA. Yeah, a CPA. Just saying it makes me feel better. They have all those years of experience. Most have a master's in finance or accounting. That's the kind of knowledge I need for my taxes. Yes, 
I'm going to a CPA this year. That makes me feel a whole lot more relaxed. With a CPA, you get a professional with a higher education, more years of training, and a greater breadth of knowledge than the rest of the pack. This tax season, don't trust your finances to anyone less. Hire the best. A CPA. Few prepare as rigorously. Brought to you by Care Kasha, certified public accountants and business consultants. Call 732-8900 for your appointment. Let's meet for lunch or dinner at the Roast House. Their menu offers something for everyone. Seafood and chicken, roasts, steaks, and chops. Appetizers and their rotation of the heartiest soups in the area. Open Sunday through Thursday, 1130 to 9. Friday and Saturday, 1130 to 10 p.m. Now, here are some of the delicious choices awaiting you at the Roast House. So I was at the uh, Roast House the other day uh, for lunch with my wife. I didn't invite you, Chris. Uh, I hope you don't feel bad about that. Right. I kind of do. Okay. Dude, would have been nice, right? Yeah, I'll make it up to you. I'll take you out to dinner Tuesday night. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, the Roast House does have a nice luncheon menu. And um, the pastrami sandwich is very, very tasty. Two slices of Swiss cheese with it. The uh, great Dijon mustard. $12 with fries. Delicious on the luncheon menu. I'll mention one other. Uh, we have the twin taco all beef hot dogs with fries. $9. Thus, um, just two of the many uh, uh, traces you have on the luncheon menu at uh, the Roast House Restaurant in Blackstone, Massachusetts. Certainly hope you'll stop in and enjoy your uh, next dinner or uh, maybe your next luncheon at the Roast House. All right. I can't find my other commercials, so we're going to go right back to uh, the upfront program. We have a few uh, shout-outs and a phone call to take care of, so let's get back to business. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Roger Bouchard, Christopher Boulay. How are you doing over there, Chris? I'm doing great. Um, we're about the halfway point, so I wanted to have a couple of shout-outs uh, to my good friend Maddie, who's my adopted mom. I know she's listening in right now. I want to say hi to her. And uh, my father-in-law, John, is listening in the villages. I want to say hi to him and looking forward to seeing him next month. All right. A uh, couple of uh, great people out there. Thank you for uh, listening. And to the rest who weren't shouted out, thank you for being with us, too. We appreciate that. We're going to grab um, a phone call and uh, see what uh, the topic is that our caller would like to uh, bring up. And then uh, we'll bring up some other topics, too. Hello there. What you want to talk about? Good morning. You're on the air. Okay. <clears throat> Hello, Chris. Hello. My name is Mariano. And uh, I have a question uh, regarding uh, $34 trillion federal national debt. Three, four trillions and federal reserve system. Both federal debt and federal reserve system. And the question is, is any relationship between those two? I heard the $34 trillion debt. What was the other one? And the other one is federal reserve system. Well, yeah, yeah, okay. I, I, I got it. So the Federal Reserve was started in 1913. Most uh, industrialized countries have a central bank. Um, $34 trillion, and I talked about this a lot on the show, is all proportional to the value of all the economies, uh, um, the economy of the United States. So right now, our GDP is about $25 trillion. Our debt is $34 trillion, so that's a bad um, ratio. If our economy was $100 trillion and our debt was, say, $50 trillion, we'd be in much, much better shape. So, yes, I, you know, the uh, Federal Reserve does print money. They make money magic. And obviously, we've had a lot of uh, inflation recently. So that's all related. So I want to stop there and make sure I'm answering your question. Uh, yes, I understand. But my question is about you. If you relate those two, uh, two issues, why? Because we are in front of two, maybe three weeks to closing uh, our shutdown, the federal uh, this uh, government, maybe 80% or how many, and my understanding is if we have no federal reserve system, we will have no $34 trillion national debt. And because we have national debt and uh, no money for, uh, for other staff, uh, this uh, party of Republicans in the 
in uh, in uh, in, the, in the house, they are going to shut down federal government because those money, because those the debt, because they are not. Uh, we are simply in front of very easy to have a disaster in the, in the economy. We have too much debt. It's like my house. We have 100% percent debt towards how our income is. We will have a big, big trouble. It means that I would like to, from you, and uh, tell, or if you can, if there is this uh, relationship, because federal is a system, that's why we have those those uh, national debt. If there is no federal system and plenty money, uh, our debt will be temporary, like uh, we had in our last 200 years, uh, and we always repay, uh, repay, uh, repaid that uh, national debt. Yep, I think. Today. Yeah, I think I yeah, I think I, yeah, I think I understand now. So one, one of the issues is there's so much spending that happens at the national level that, that is uh, not controllable. You know, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. When Social Security was started, there were six workers for every retiree. Now it's about two and a half to one. It would be two. So the aging of America is, is an issue. So eventually they're going to have to raise the retirement of Social Security. They're going to have to do uh, a lot of things. But if we were to nationalize uh, health care, that would make it even worse. So it's, it's a problem. There are countries that are worse off. Italy has got a ratio of three to one. Uh, Japan's got an older population. They got a three to one. So I hope that answers the question. It's a problem when the debt exceeds um, the, the the value of all of the assets and the income of of America and this debt has grown into both Republicans and Democrats, so both of us to blame. Thank you so much for the call. Thank you. All right. In, important important issue, and again, not to overemphasize it, but it's all a ratio of of the value. So if you have an economy that's a hundred trillion dollars, the debt that we have today is is sustainable. You have a um, an economy of $25 trillion and you have a $33 trillion debt, you've got a problem. And it's not as worse as this, those two countries I mentioned. So um, so I was trying to follow uh, his argument as closely as I could based on my uh, limited knowledge of uh, the financial systems. But there seemed to be at least um, a correlation between what is going on with the Republicans and the Democrats and the possible shutdown and the Federal Reserve and the deficit. <laughs> Did he make? Is yeah. that a connection? Well, or do well, you see a connection? Well, the, the connection is not direct. The, the Federal Reserve is the, is the central bank of America, and they've been around for over a hundred years. Every industrialized country has a central bank that's separate for the government. And we found out in Turkey how bad it can be when they're actually lowering interest rates to stop inflation. Inflation got to be 80%. So it has a value there. Some people have called for the elimination of the Federal Reserve, and I just don't believe that 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 makes any sense at all. But the the Federal Reserve basically can make money in magic and just put it in in, uh, accounts. That's what they do. So the more you have of something, the less valuable it is. But we've got issues that are two in the country. One of them is the demographics. As people getting older, you know, could be collecting Social Security for 35 years. The system wasn't built for that. And we also, more importantly, have an attitude that the government can fix everything. So the independence of, 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 of Americans is being diminished because we expect the government to do everything. We had a little snow and uh, we have a uh, – we're reaching out to the federal government for uh, <laughs> natural disaster money. And we've got all of these things that, were, that are, uh, have expectations. You have you know, too many people, in my opinion, who, who are on government assistance. And you've got 11 million jobs out there that are open. If you can't find a job now, it's, I don't know what to tell you. So that, I think, is very important is the lack of individual responsibility in America that we expect everything to be paid for by the government that's really diminished to the point where we've got Biden talking to young people to get their vote and saying, I'm going to forgive your student loans. Um, when we forgive car payments and mortgages, it, it does, that is a slippery slope that will that could destroy America in debt, and that would be my answer to that gentleman. All right, uh, let's uh, grab one more call, and then we'll uh, bring up some other topics. Um, I think we've got somebody ready to go here. Hello, what do you want to talk about? A uh, question for Mr. Brand. Well, oh, he's not here. I'm Chris Boulay. 
Oh, I'm sorry, Chris Boulay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Chris Boulay, just a question. Um, sorry, I heard the name. Uh, what happens to the money? We're all consumers of money. We all buy money when we borrow money, and we're paying on that. Um, I just want to know the increase in interest rates of you know, 100% over the past year or so. The money that we have to pay back to the banks, where does that money go, and who gets it, and how is it dispersed? I, it's a question I... But I'm unable to answer to myself. I don't know what happens to my money because everybody's paying double, you know, for the cost of their money. Um, but we're not getting anything out of it except for higher inflation and uh, a lot of other things. Okay, I'll take the, I'll take the answer off there. Thanks. Okay, thanks for the call. Thank you, Rico. Uh, in, in, interesting because when we had the financial crisis in, in 08 and 09, um, banks were able to borrow money from the Federal Reserve at, at zero interest. So it was a problem. You had the banks borrowing money at zero interest and actually lending it back to the government at 3%. Who wouldn't want to take 3% uh, risk-free? So interest is very much determined by inflation. So you have a correlation, strong correlation, going back to the, the other call, between interest rates and inflation. The higher inflation, the higher the interest rates. So when a bank... Uh, takes in your deposits. The money doesn't really stay there. Probably one out of every eight or nine dollars stays there. They lend it out. So typically a bank may be paying five percent on a CD for a year and they may lend that money out at eight percent. That's their net interest margin and that money goes to them. So there's a whole banking system in, in the world I would submit. I think the United States has the strongest banking system out there. Um, so that's the money goes to the banks. That's the, that's their profitability, and then not everyone pays that money back, so they have to put loan reserves on that. So the banks will have to anticipate what they think is going to be money not paid back. The worse the economy gets, the harder it is for people to pay back. In a good economy, they don't have to put as many reserves aside. But when you have a bank reporting um, their profitability. Um, sometimes they have great profitability because they're releasing reserves. Well, geez, we put aside $10 billion over the course of a period of time that we think people aren't going to pay back, and we figure out it's only going to be $7 billion. So, And then sometimes you have banks reporting losses because they put aside $10 billion, and they might have to put aside $15 billion because the economy is uh, is uh, overheating or not, you know, is uh, problematic. I'm not a big believer in Davos. That's the economic World Economic uh, Forum that's going on right now in Switzerland. But one guy I really look up to is Jamie Dimon. Uh, he is the CEO of J.P. Morgan. Uh, he's one of the best bankers the world has ever seen. So I would encourage the, uh, the, the caller, if you really want to know a lot more than what I know, is take 15 minutes and go to CNBC and look for the interview with Jamie Dimon. I watched it. I actually replayed it. I, I think very, very highly of him. And he has a way... Uh, to make very complex things very, very simple. So um, that would be something I'd encourage you to do. But that money goes to the banks. That's their profit by taking the risk of that you may or may not pay money back. Good morning, Roger and Chris uh, from Sandra. She says, uh, I'll provide free popcorn for a debate between President Trump and Biden. Oh, free popcorn. I'm always up for that. In my opinion, uh, they'll never allow that debate unless they have a hidden mic on Biden instructing him what to say. And like Hillary, they have questions ahead of the debate. Do you either uh, do either one of you actually believe they'll allow Biden to debate President Trump? I say it'll never happen. Well, that was a uh, thank you, Sandra. That was the point I was bringing up to Chris. Um <laughs> All right, maybe it's too late in the game, as Chris mentioned, to take him off the ticket. But uh, putting him in a debate, even, you know, Chris was saying, and I agree, I've met them too. There are certain people out there, they, they wouldn't vote for Donald Trump no matter what. Or with a few of those in a debate where Crush actually shows that Biden is incompetent to be president, would a few of those possibly say, well, I guess... I have to bite the bullet and vote for Trump. Maybe not. Anyway, thank you, Sandra. But uh, that debate between Trump and Biden, um, I'm not quite, I think I would be uncomfortable watching it. I think it would be that. Um, you know, I hate to, 
I hate confrontation, and I, I do believe that. Uh, I think the biggest thing for Trump would be not to bury him too much. Roger has spoken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, TKO, huh? It's like the old Mount St. Charles Academy playing uh, another high school winning nine to nothing. You know, it's it's uh, fun to watch sometimes, but it's uh, it's hard for the other team. All right. So we've had a couple of money questions from a couple of callers. Um, we hope we were able to, uh, you know, bring you further down the road on uh, your understanding of uh, of what you were inquiring about. There are other topics here on the upfront program in front of us, too. And uh, we're going to give uh, Chris a, a chance to introduce one and maybe talk about it a little bit before we uh, we uh, check in with um, Savini's and Ceros. All right. Well, I, I do like sports. I don't love it like I used to. But I always look for your comments regarding journalism. And I sent you some information uh, earlier this week is that uh, ESPN uh, is owned by Disney. And they're having some financial troubles. Um, people are just getting their news differently. And a investor either some or all of it might be the national football league Mm -hmm. and espn try to get uh clicks people don't really watch sports center too much they go to the internet and they're trying to get these clicks and they've always had a love-hate relationship with the national football league where they've covered them and the players get in trouble it's a lead story what have you you know the patriots have a cheating scandal it's a lead story but i'm seeing right away that um, and I sent you an example. Uh, Jim Irsay is the owner of the uh, Indianapolis Colts, and he's had a known drug problem. And he was found unresponsive about a month ago, um, and he almost died again by an overdose. He had, they had to give Narcan. You know, a billionaire owner of a football team having a overdose is, is pretty big news. And um, Fox carried it, TMZ carried it, everyone carried it but ESPN. And then ESPN was kind of embarrassed that they had to carry it. So you're going to see, in my opinion, a big change in the coverage of the National Football League where it's going to be all positive. It's kind of like, and I, I mentioned this to you earlier this week, is like the Boston Globe. The Boston Globe is owned by John Henry. John Henry also owns the Boston Red Sox. And... When Tom Brady was there and the Patriots were at their top, they would always find issues with Brady, find issues with um, uh, with the Patriots. So imagine what a clean life Tom Brady allegedly leads when the Boston Globe would like to bury him. So when Terry Francona, for example, left the Boston Red Sox, the the, the Red Sox gave the story and all of the bad uh, dirt on Francona to the Globe and they went after him to bury him. So... You see, you see all this going on, and see, you're going to see, if you're paying attention, you're a sports fan, you're going to see a lack of any critical news stories on the National Football League on ESPN for now and in the future. It's just worth observing. It's part of the uh, consolidation of, um, of who owns the news source. And uh, when, when you have only have, when that number keeps shrinking, the number of protected people keeps it growing, right? <laughs> so that uh, because uh, uh, a lot of the organizations uh, have uh, mutual interests going on at the same time, and uh, and they're going to protect those interests. And you, as a consumer, are going to be, uh, shall we say, uh, shielded from uh, certain news stories and certain certain bits of information. But I can tell you this, Chris. Um, my daughter teaches at Rhode Island College, and, and this is uh, one of the things that she, uh, she uh, teaches uh, about, uh, and that is what is going on with the media and how do people consume news and, and how do they make their opinions. What's different from the way you make an opinion today and the way you did 15 years ago? Uh, sometimes you'll see an old movie and it'll be a subway, and you'll look uh, in the subway car, and, and you'll see um, 34 newspapers <laughs> being being uh, held by people uh, who are catching up on the news of the day. Or you'll see a clip of uh, families watching the 6.30 network news with Walter Cronkite or something like that. It was, I mean, something that almost everybody did everywhere across the USA. It's something in 2024 that hardly anybody does anymore across the USA. So there's a way that uh, we're getting our uh, our opinions. 
and um, and you got to really kind of investigate, you know, where it's coming from and who it's coming from because uh, you could be the victim of um, a big um, propaganda campaign, which I think we are right now. We are, and again, if you have time and you're interested in the world events, you've got to get your news source from a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. The Washington Post will have a very, very different opinion from the Washington Times. If you go to the Washington Post and you look at their comments, I think they're computer-generated for the most part because they're 99% um, for their position, and they're very, very uh, liberal. And then you go to Washington Times, which isn't nearly as popular. They're very, very conservative. So every paper has its slant, and the truth is somewhere in the middle. Um, I tend to be conservative because I think our country's founders uh, built America that way for independence. And, and um, I don't like this class warfare of rich versus poor. Uh, I, I think it's unhelpful. Um, the, the, um, the class of envy happening, you can't have that. You can't look at people and say, well, I want that. You know, work for it. This is America. And I tell my kids, they, they could finish the story, or the, the comment. Only 4% of the world's populations live in this country, and we are so fortunate. Uh, just go out and get it. This is the Upfront program on WNRI. And um, uh, we're going to take one more call, and uh, then I'll do the commercial break because we want to get as much uh, content in as, as possible. I just have a quick question back to uh, Jim Ursay. I'm thinking of a man who uh, um, owns a, a football team, uh, extremely wealthy, and has a drug problem. How old is this guy, anyway? He's only 64. 64. He, he, yeah, he, he looks a lot older, and he's had a, but yeah, he's only 64 years old. Mm-hmm. And he, he, I mean, he, he didn't hit a triple. He was born on third base. He inherited the team from his dad. Um, um, I'm always puzzled. Uh, we're not gonna, I'm not going to get the answer here. But I'm always uh, puzzled about how people who are so successful and um, uh, should be having the greatest life of all uh, can get themselves into a hole like they do. I don't understand it. Well, the, the example that, that comes to mind is, is Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Bezos was born in uh, June of 1964, I believe. I was born in September of 1964. And um, he gave up being the CEO of Amazon so he can enjoy his life. He's a billionaire and the guy is in incredible shape. So he puts that time in there and seems to have a very well balanced life and uh, good for him. Um, I see that, that is the extreme example of somebody worth $150 billion who recognizes that um, at some point you're going to have money but no health and sometimes you're going to have time and no money but at the end of life you're going to have no health and you're going to have money um he's balanced it really perfectly and i, I admire him for it the uh the opposite of of a jim Rousset. all right we're going to take the call and then we'll take the break and uh, so what would you like to talk about in the upfront program today good morning gentlemen good hi. morning hi you're talking about uh news and how it's twisted and you know you got to listen to the content and who's saying it because, you know, uh, there may be a reason behind it and all that stuff. So it can be controlled. And I agree with that. There's another uh, way that people are getting opinions, not necessarily news, but opinions. And that's those talk shows on television, you know, like The Five. Yes. You know, talk shows like that. Uh, There's a couple of them, and I on the uh, stations that are more liberal, and I turned them on uh, to see what they were saying, and my God, I've never heard so much lying and stretching of the truth in my life. Did you ever watch them? I, I, I watched them, and the the one thing that I'm very comfortable with, and you are, and probably Roger is, is, is that there's consistency to a, to a conservative view. You know, you, you do it yourself. You, you, everyone's responsible for their own lot in life. And then you look at a lot of the people in Davos who are billionaires and multimillionaires and good for them. But they're telling everyone how to live, uh, lead their life and to save the planet. Yet there's 155 private jets there. You know, they wouldn't even share a plane coming from New York to Davos. So these people are creating the biggest carbon footprint in the world, and they're going there, and they're going to classes about how to save the world from, from everyone else. It's like the old saying, 98% of the people said public transportation is good for other people. 
So the the liberal inconsistency is, is just shameful. It's like Governor Gavin Newsom saying, stay home, save lives, and he's at the French Laundry in California having dinner. Stop with the hypocrisy, and, you know, that's where I, I get upset. There's no strong feelings about what is right and wrong is what this is what i'm going to do and and um you you do the opposite i'm gonna tell you what to do everyone should lead their own lives and the hypocrisy in the liberal viewpoint uh can be very troublesome to, to me i agree and more toward my point uh an example of what i was talking about is trump in a fox uh, on a fox show was being interviewed and he made the statement um, that he was going to be a, uh, oh, I, gee, the, the word is eluding me, dictator. Did you hear, did you hear about that? Oh, oh yes. And you hear that he, he won't leave. If he wants, he, he won't leave. Um, no, nah, it's all, no, yeah. yeah. Give him a chance not to leave. Get him elected. First. Yes. <laughs> right, right. But the, the point was, he, uh, the interviewer asked, he said, are you going to be a dictator? He says, absolutely. In the first, the first two items, drill, 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 and close the border. I'll be a dictator there. And <laughs> then, right, so he said that, and the interviewer cringed. He knew that the, the left was going to turn around and twist that around. So yeah, and uh, so he said afterward that uh, he says he didn't like it that I said that you know that I was going to be a dictator for those two, those two things. Anyway, the uh, interview was correct on a, on one of the liberal talk shows. They turned around. And he says Trump admits he's going to be a dictator if he gets elected. You know that's <laughs> not what Trump said. He just said those ones, those two things at the beginning. In other words, those are strong topics for him to take care of right at the beginning. But they twist things around. It's, uh, politics can be very, very dirty. Oh, absolutely. And like I, I've said many times, n nobody's had a duel to the death, though. So we'll, the human nature will never change. <laughs> Thank you for your call, anyway, sir. I, I enjoy listening to this show. I, I do every Thursday. And, and uh, you know, I'm glad you two guys are together. It seems like the two of you bring things out from each other and uh, make the show very very interesting so thank you for thank you here. thank you for that um yeah. i guess that was a compliment right chris yeah i'll take we'll, it that way we'll take it as a compliment thank you sir <laughs> okay, Bye -bye. It meant that way. this is the upfront program and we're going to check in with Scott McGee. Scott McGee of REMAX Properties brings his years of real estate experience to you, whether buying or selling. Check out this property currently on the market from the McGee team. Right now, we're going to go to Grove Lane in Boroughville. Uh, this uh, piece of property is at $475,000. And it's um, a, nice, uh, a nice house uh, on Grove Lane. And it's in Pasco, uh, close to 3,000 square foot, uh, customized cape, ready for your personal touches and ideas. Residentially set and not far from amenities or schools in Boroughville. This home is being sold in as-is condition with four bedrooms and two full baths. And there's a lot of potential. Scott McGee would like to show you the house. And uh, to do that, you're going to call them, 639-2906. 639-2906. Next is um, Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar. And on uh, Tuesday through Friday basis, we have our, our 1195 early bird specials. This has been a tremendous success. A lot of people uh, go there between 4 and 530 Dine in only and order one of the entrees like uh, pasta bolognese or or maybe um, a uh, quarter broiler uh, chicken and then and then you can have roasted potatoes or or you can have um, you know uh, mashed potatoes if you want or whatever you want a, a pasta dish. It's eleven ninety nine Tuesday through Fridays uh, early bird specials fresh oysters. Uh, are served at uh, Savini's every day between four and six a dollar, and fresh oysters at Savini's and Ciro's um, a daily for a dollar, and Sundays at Ciro's and Savini's fifty cent wings all day, and oysters a dollar each all day at both restaurants. Hey, what are you waiting for? Good dining 
is waiting for you right here at Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar. We open at 4. 4 o'clock this afternoon. Love to see you. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Well, Chris, we have a caller waiting. Did you want to at least bring up a topic to get me uh, thinking? Uh, I, I do have one question, uh, something that you had emailed me about about this group. Um, is it the Hooties? I mean, is that how you pronounce them? I never heard of them before, and all of a sudden we're attacking them. And, you know, I've heard of uh, Hamas, and I've heard of uh, the uh, Palestine Liberation Organ, of PLO. Uh, who are these people? Well, talking about ties into uh, Biden versus Trump. Trump had called them a terrorist organization that's sponsored by Iran. So it's, it's a proxy for the um, aggression that Iran has for us. And for whatever reason, the Biden administration said they're not terrorists. And now they're attacking the shipping lanes uh, um, in the Middle East. And uh, now the Biden administration says they're terrorists again. So they're attacking them, which which we're not doing anything. So uh, I give credit to the Biden administration for doing that. But to have said they're not a terrorist group initially, it doesn't make any sense. And it just seems that um, President Obama, uh, pre- former President Obama's fingerprints are on that one. I never heard of them. I never, well, I, I've heard of uh, Yemen before, but I never heard them much in the news. And all of a sudden, they're, uh, they're right there. And, um, and I'm trying to figure out who they are and why they're worthy of being attacked. Well, they're, they're attacking the shipping lanes. But whether it's the Biden administration, uh, the Trump administration, um, Democrat or Republican, there's a lot of brave people in the, in the military who are protecting us before these things happen. Uh, 9-11 was, was awful. We were caught unprepared. Uh, we don't know who's coming across the border, but there's a, a lot of intelligence out there, and we spend a trillion dollars a year in defense to, to protect America. So, um, you know, you, can't, you can criticize the Biden administration for their policy, but they are doing what needs to be done to, to protect America at this point. Hello. Let's uh, take another call before we close out the program. How are you doing today? Good morning. Could you do me a favor and explain to the audience, the listening audience, really quick, the difference, the vast difference between Donald Trump taking $7 million from overseas companies because of the services he provides in his hotels and motels and clubs, and um, Joe Biden's son getting $7 million for fitting pea soup onto a canvas. Some <laughs> people seem to think that's the same thing. Yeah, if you if you don't like Trump, you can um, you can spin it any way you want. So obviously, tr- the Trump organization is an international organization. They've got golf courses around the world and hotels around the world. So it would stand to reason that you would you would do business there. You have people coming uh, over here um, doing business with Trump. So yeah, it's a legitimate organization. And when you have the pres- vice president's son, who's got no ability except the connections and selling the Biden name um, on these boards and has no training. I mean, I, I just can't go on the board of um, Oracle. I'm, I'm not an IT person. Um, so to be on that board obviously was a problem for um, University of Pennsylvania to form the Biden Institute uh, and to have it funded by overseas and have being paid people who don't even show up. I mean, it's always a problem when you have people um, get paid for showing up, not showing up. We had an issue with the Massachusetts State Police where uh, they're putting in overtime that they weren't actually doing. That go, If it's going to be held to that standard, it should be held to every standard. What, what did he do? And certainly there's, a, there's an absolute difference. And if you have a $3 billion organization uh, and, you're, and you're in different countries, you're certainly going to have uh, interactions uh, with, with, uh, with uh, people who are Americans. I hope that helps. And and by the way, one more thing. Donald Trump was doing this for decades before he even became about politics, wasn't he? Oh, no, no, no question. And we talked about this. Donald Trump has been in the public eye really since 1987. Um, He he got the... um, uh, Real estate empire from his father, uh, Fred, and he, he really built it up and he had some hard knocks. There's a story where it's, it's, he's told a story where he, when he was, when he was single, he was walking by uh, a, a uh, bum in the street, basically, and the guy is in the gutter and he tells his girlfriend, that guy is worth $50 million more than I am. 
he actually had negative net worth of $50 million at the time. <laughs> so he's, uh, he, he's a very interesting guy, and um, it, it's, it, there's so much emotion in him. But if you really look at the policies, he accomplished so much as president that th- there was an issue. And you have to draw conclusions if you're a liberal and you hate wars. You, we had four years of peace. When he left the office, we've had nothing but conflict. Uh, you decide if there's a correlation there as, as a voter. So we, you know, we, we appreciate your call. And certainly uh, it's tough to defend his personality and the way he insults people. But, man, he's accomplished a lot as president. And obviously he'll be, we'd be better off if he's in office for four more years. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. This is the upfront program. Hey, we only have a couple of more minutes, Chris. What didn't we talk about today that we could have talked about if we have a two-hour program? Well, let's talk about sports and business a little bit. I was having dinner Sunday night, and uh, Amy's uh, brother-in-law was there, Bob, and he he had this wonderful idea that we haven't seen anywhere in the media is bringing Tom Brady back as the GM of the Patriots. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tom recruited a lot of players. And it's not unprecedented. Um, John Elway became the GM of Denver and did a terrific job. And um, giving Tom Brady an ownership interest in the team, if he sold his ownership interest in the LA, uh, the Vegas Raiders, would, would be terrific. Bobby Orr never heard about a deal where the, when he was leaving to go to Chicago, he was offered 18.5% of the team. Uh, which would be worth about $300 million today. And uh, his agent never told him that. But... Never mind the coach, the ownership. Having Tom Brady back as general manager would would change the um, fortunes of the New England Patriots immediately. Would he be able to jump down on the field and make a few plays? <laughs> we don't want him to do that. We just want him to recruit. Just the seventeen hundred players in the, the NFL, and probably sixteen hundred ninety five of them like and respect Tom Brady, and that would change all of the uh, focus. So, is that the- wishful thinking on your part, or, is, or the, could this be a reality? I, I I think it could be a reality. I think it's a terrific idea. He have to divest himself from the um, from the Raiders. I don't think he's ever going to be on Fox News. And um, Tom Brady wants to be what every multimillionaire wants to be, which is a billionaire. So with Kraft um, phasing out, with Jonathan coming on board, they love Brady like a son. I would love to bring him in, and um, I think it's it could happen. We'll see you next week, sir. You bet. Have a great one. All right. Christopher Boulay joining on a upfront program.